Hey everybody, we have a new sponsor and a special deal for our listeners of Karen Isn't Always Right. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan, or videotapes, audio tapes, or film reels that you need to import, you should check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name, Karen Isn't Always Right, when you order, you're going to get 5% off and a portion of your order is going to help support the podcast, Karen Isn't Always Right. All of those formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All your memories can be stored safely on the cloud or even a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AV Gear Guy has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media and they can accept orders from anywhere in the U.S. Don't forget to mention the name of Karen Isn't Always Right and get 5% off. For more details and to book, visit their website at avgearguy.com. That's avgearguy.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Karen Isn't Always Right. I'm your host Christopher and today I bring you a very special guest. Charlie Street comes to us and Charlie is a Cinemark legend with his last role being in the service to others as the Vice President Eastern Division for Cinemark Theaters. Today he shares not only his career progression but also a few select Karen stories and gives his insight and advice into how best to resolve some of the more difficult guest encounters. Even though I've never worked under Charlie's leadership, unbeknownst to him, he has still had a tremendous impact on me as a general manager. His devotion to both his employees and customers is what makes him such a fantastic leader, in my humble opinion. Not only that, but he's also a fantastic artist as he's turned his focus to painting during retirement. Fun fact, I also credit him with my being able to meet Ron Howard and Brian Grazier back in 2002. So much respect for this guy, and I simply can't wait to share this episode with you. So, here we go. Hey, Charlie, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Good. Welcome to the Karen Isn't Always Right podcast. I really appreciate you uh, coming on this. I've been very excited. Well, I appreciate you having me. I really do. Yeah. So, Charlie, tell, tell me kind of, or actually tell our listeners kind of who you are and maybe a little bit how we know each other and, you know, kind of your background a little bit. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, name's Charlie Street. I was the uh, vice president of operations for the Eastern Division, pretty much had Eastern half of the country. Uh, for Cinemark Theaters. Um, uh, I got my start back in 1980 working for the original Cinemark. Most people don't know there were two Cinemarks. Um, And I started on April 2nd of 1980. I remember that specifically because it was my brother's birthday and my grandmother was flying back to Austria. So I remember that day. And uh, back in that day, Cinemark was just a little bitty regional uh, theater chain. I worked at Cinema 6 in Temple, Texas. It was a six screen that was the third busiest theater in the state of Texas. And uh, miserably busy. I mean, packed so bad that your lobby is packed tight. You've got six lines of people wrapping around the building and a seventh line waiting to buy tickets. Because you have the old automa tickets that you had to punch. And um, I got that job ironically because I, I, I was... 17, I was a junior in high school, and my best friend got a job there. And he was bragging about, oh, I love my job. It's so, so fun, you know, and everything. And I was laughing at him. I said, dude, you're crazy. I wouldn't work there to save my life. It's packed all the time, you know. And he goes, oh, you know, I, what I do is, is I, I'm the cleanup boy. Um, back then they had doormen who wore suits and ties and only tore tickets. They didn't get yeah. their hands dirty cleaning theaters. 
the cleanup boy worked concession, and then when the movie got out, would run and clean it up, okay. and then go back to concession. But he was cleanup boy, and, and he said, yeah, uh, you know, I really love the job. And I said, man, you're crazy. I get home that evening, my mom says, you got to get a job. And I'm like, what? Never <laughs> even had considered getting a job at this point, mind you. You know, so it's like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I tell my friend the next day, he goes, you know what? I think they're still hiring. They need another cleanup boy. And I said, well, you know what? I don't, I don't really want the job, but I'm going to go and have my mom take me so she knows that I'm looking. She sees I'm looking for a job, but since they just hired me, probably they won't hire me. And I, I won't have to work there, and I'll get my, my mom off my back. And wouldn't you know it, you know, I get in there, I do an interview. The manager tests my math skills because you didn't have cash registers. You had to add everything in your head. So she tests my math skills, gives me a little math test. I blow through it. She hires me on the spot. So it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I get hired on the spot. Uh, they put me to work. Uh, I blow one of my first transactions. And the lady looks at me and says, if you wanted to keep the extra change, you should have just asked for it. I thought, I didn't want to quit. <laughs> Um, so do you remember what movie opened that day or what, what what movie was that? What's that? Yeah, I can tell you. We had, um, coal miner's daughter. Okay. All that jazz, um, cereal, um, foxes. And there were two others that I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. But those movies I remember specifically because coal miner's daughter was was cranky. Yeah. It, It was big. All that jazz did pretty good business as well. Cereal, I never even knew about it or nobody went to it. Uh, and Fox is the same way, it was crappy. Uh, and then two others and I don't remember that. But at any rate, uh, I did make it through my first day and I, I went on to uh, kind of shoot up. I went through every position. I, you know, Cleanup Boy was the low man on a totem pole. And of course I was concession, an inbox office assistant manager, well, projectionist assistant manager, and then Within two years, I opened my first new theater uh, as the general manager. So I was 19 years old. I opened Cinema 5 in Temple okay. for Leroy Mitchell and the original Cinemark. And then within the first, that opened uh, 1983, December 10th, and Leroy sold it, sold Cinemark. I was like, oh, crap. So um, I stayed on there and was working for Plitt at the time. Hated him. Hated everything about them. Why? So, just they were horrible. I mean, one thing they did—they didn't clean auditoriums at all. What? They would just—it was—they didn't clean. You just literally the the people that I was working with, and maybe another clip theaters they did, but in these theaters they didn't clean between the movies, you know. And so it just was a mess. And they, the way they ran it, they just ran it to the ground so bad it was an embarrassment. I didn't want my name attached to it. Yeah. And so I stayed on as a projectionist because I was going to college, Temple Junior College, where I got my degree there. Um, and um, I worked for him for a while. And then 1987, I get a phone call. I'm in the booth running the movies, and I get a phone call. Charlie? Leroy? <laughs> yeah, I built a theater down in Round Rock. I want you to go down and take a look at it. I said, okay. And I went down and took a look at it. And long story short, March 27th, 1986, 87, I came back to work for Cinemark, um, worked at, you know, Round Rock, Pflugerville, Wells Branch. I managed those theaters in Austin area and then would go on to become a district leader out in West Texas and love it. I had nine theaters there from Albuquerque and then, you know, Amarillo, Plainview, all that. And, uh, uh, and then I would move to San Antonio to run the Southern 
district down there. And so I had the border and, and San Antonio and Austin and, and all that. Uh, then, you know, I don't know if you were around when the delaring happened and they took out all the district leaders and they moved them back it into management. Right Why? before I started. I started in uh, February of 96. So I think it was Okay, short. well, that was, we were, you were really close to it then. Yeah. Uh, and I lasted 10 months as a manager before I got a region spot. That's fast. So two regions opened up at the same time. And, and one of them was in Ohio. It was the Northeast region. And then one of them was in Kentucky. And Jeff said, well, which one do you want? And I said, well, Jeff, tell me something. Which one's the harder one to run? And he said, that would be Ohio. And I said, then I want Ohio. Good choice. And I took Ohio and the Northeast region. Um, I went in. I don't think I was real popular at first, you know, <laughs> because uh, I am demanding. I have high expectations. But, you know, uh, I think I won everybody over there. And we had an awesome region. You know, we uh, a year in, year out, that region always had the highest audit scores. We just crushed everything. That was what I, I had heard about you is yeah. very, very demanding. Like, I, I think the first time you and I met was probably, I think, 2002. It was at a convention or a roadshow or something like that. But I had heard, you know, your reputation was that you were very, very demanding, but you were very um, easygoing with your managers. Like, you, you got along. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I always I tried to be approachable, and I tried to be down to earth about things, you know, but, and understanding. Um, and when it came to like, you know, states and stuff, my, my first question was, wasn't always the break. I never berated them. My first question was always, what do we learn from it? And how do we, fit, you know, keep that from happening again? Sure. So that was always my question kind of thing, you know, but I didn't have much, uh, much patience for people who make mistakes on purpose. Yeah. yeah. People that did things they, that they knew they shouldn't do and they did them anyways. Then it's another story. Then you can That's see a side of the That's it. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. Right. But honest mistakes, you know, you, you can't get, you know, I always say, you show me somebody who never makes a mistake. I'll show you somebody who's not doing anything. You know, I mean, you're going to make mistakes yeah. kind of thing. But anyway, you know, you know, the, most people know the rest of the story, Northeast region. Then I ran the, the region in Chicago there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there to the vice president of operations. Yeah. So uh, took a while to get there, but um, I loved every step of it. I loved being a regional leader. I loved working with the managers. That was great, uh, you know, and I still got to, to work with, you know, assistants and, and, and I still people. And I always said customer complaints on, on, a, on the regional level were always bad because that means they got past the manager. <laughs> you know, the managers take care of 99% of them. But the ones that get past, those are the ones the regional leaders get to deal with. So yeah. there were some humdingers there for sure. Well, so that's that's the point of this whole podcast. So, you know, we talked a little bit before the before we started recording, and uh, and I think you said you you may have some that stick out to you a little bit. Do you want to you want to share? It? Yeah, you know, I think there was two that got that I considered got past me, and that is the two customers that that I, I just didn't I, I I couldn't please. And uh, you know, the first one honestly was so insignificant. I don't even remember what the complaint was about, but it got above me, and it went to Don Meredith, who was my boss at the time. And even got past him, oh. you know, so this guy was obviously somebody you weren't going to please just wasn't going to happen. I think he wanted um, a year's free passes for some insignificant thing to happen to me. And I just wasn't going to do it, you know, yeah. simply yeah. wasn't going to do it. And the other one I remember because it was a lady that found a piece of bubble gum in her popcorn and she was livid and irate and wanted the manager fired. I said, I can't fire the manager. 
I don't know if it fell out of an employee's mouth into your popcorn or somebody just in the auditorium was eating popcorn and threw their, their gum that landed in there. I have no way of knowing how that got into there. You know, our managers, you know, dump the popcorn and clean the machines immediately, you know, which is all they could really do. You know, there was no way of knowing how it got in there. And she was adamant. You have to fire that manager. And I just wouldn't do it, yeah. you know. And so she wasn't happy. And that one got past me. But Karen was not right on that day. <laughs> so that one, were you were you an RL at the time? I was an RL at the time, yeah. yes. So did that go above you? Uh, I don't think it got past me. I okay. think she was, you know, she was just mad enough that, that she talked away. to somebody up above, you know. Yeah. Of course, you, you get plenty of those that go straight to the top. They go to you know, the president and CEO of the company, you know, and of course those get handed right back down to us in the first place, you know, so, uh, and they get handed all the way down to the point to where, you know, they'll get handed down to me. And if the manager hadn't had a chance, I hand it back to the manager, you know? So uh, there's always that chain of command, go through one to the next because the managers are the, uh, the people that are most likely uh, going to take care of them in the first place. Right. You know, right. As long as they're reasonable. It's interesting. Um, when people make that decision to just completely bypass the local personnel, whether it's the employee, the man, the assistant, the GM or whatever, and they go straight to the, to the RL. And it's like, well, you didn't even, you know, we could have all saved a lot of time here had yeah. you just come straight to me and I would have taken care yeah. of you. You know, and oh, sometimes yeah. even when I'm talking to a guest, well, I want your bosses or I want, you know, the corporate information or whatever. And there've right. been a lot of times when I've had to say, you're going to end up dealing with me anyway. So we, right. could, we could talk about this now or we could talk about it later, but either way, we're right. going to be talking again. So why don't right. you give me the opportunity to try to take care of you? Yeah, Absolutely right. Yep. So, you know, one of the things I asked you before uh, was, do you know what a Karen is? And you, you very quickly responded with a, an affirmative on that. So having known what a Karen is, what do you think, um, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think this, the, the unreasonable nature of these people, why do you think, what's the cause of that uh, you know really that's really has to do with society today it's, it, it's all about the me you know mm-hmm. kind of thing uh, and honestly I think I see the ones that really get pushy and really get upset really quick and you can tell that they take it out on the employee and stuff it's really this 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 ego thing with with I'm you know I'm the customer and I'm always right and, and they, they get off on on pushing around the employees because they know they can't fight back you know right. they can't say you know and I saw that a lot, and that that was always disappointing. And as a manager, I always felt that it was my responsibility to protect my employees from that. You know, I would step in. I would step in really quick, kind of thing. But the same thing happens even with the managers because they know the managers have to be, you know, pretty much to be the same way, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, uh, and so as a regional leader, I felt an obligation to to protect the managers to a degree as well. You know. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's, it's, it's society and it's the me, me generation kind of thing. I, I want it. I want it my way. And I'm the most important person in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it just stems from that. And, and you get some really crazy, you know, like I said, people wanting passes for a year because, you know, the popcorn was cold or, you know, I got a complaint as in a regional spot. I got a complaint from somebody who was pissed off because the manager wouldn't let them take the salt into the auditorium. I got another one because a man, the mall at Christmas wouldn't let him turn left to go around to our theater. He wanted to turn, you know, he wanted to turn left. They made him turn right. Now, granted, take the, listen to this. The theater was the exact same distance from the entrance on the backside of the mall, either way you went, but he was pissed off because the mall made him go right. It's like, 
<laughs> do you even have a life? Is there anything out there that matters more to you than to waste as much time of your life complaining about the fact that you had to go right instead of left? Isn't that the crazy thing where, where people have, they, they do seem to have these extra time cycles in their world where it's like, well, I'll just clickety clack, you know, I'll just pop off an email or I'll call someone above. And it's like, do you not work? Do you not want to spend time with your family? Like, yeah, you know, th there's another aspect to that too, though. And, and that other aspect, unfortunately, um, some managers foster that in their, in their patrons. A lot of managers who don't want to deal with a difficult situation, their solution is let's throw passes at them. Yeah. You know, and the, the go-to solution always is, oh, I'm so sorry. Here, let me give you two passes. I'm so sorry. Let me give you two passes. Well, what you're doing is you're educating your, your patrons, and, and you do that at every theater. You educate them how things are done at your theater, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And once they know that, hey, all I got to do is find something to complain about, and I'm going to get free passes. And all you've done now is create an environment where more and more people, you know, are asking for passes rather than being sincere, listening and correcting what they had, you know, what they were upset about in the beginning of most people really do believe that they were wrong. Even if you don't agree with it, you know, right. they feel they, they were, you know, and to let them to listen and to let them know that you understand and that you feel the same way, you know, that and if you were in their shoes, you would feel the same way and, and you correct the problem and stuff. Usually that that's fine. Um, but I've seen it time and time again where the managers just educate their, their patrons that all you have to do is complain. And let me give you a perfect example. I was in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, one of our theaters. And I was uh, in plain clothes um, because I was, I was off, but I was visiting the theater. And I was standing in line behind two little old ladies. And one little old lady said, I've been here 11 times in a row and I've never had to pay for the movies. All I do is find something to complain about and they give me passes. And she said that exactly, I swear to you. And it was just like, you know, and I told the manager, I said, see that little old lady, if she complains, you don't give her any passes today. <laughs> you know, you gotta put them into that. At some point, uh, you know, the same way Karen's not always right, at some point, a patron stops being a patron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to fire customers. But they're never paying anymore. They're not a customer. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's something uh, I try to focus on when, when training, you know, my people, whether it's employees or, or assistant managers or, or whatever, is I think the most important thing is the, the, the empathy and, and being genuine. Those two yes. things go hand in hand because, you know, one of the, like when I do a, a, like an orientation, one of the things I'll, I'll say is, have you ever been in a fight with your significant other and you say, sorry, and, and you know, it always gets a laugh because it's like, how do you think that is gonna go over with your significant other when you say sorry like that? Because it's not genuine, yeah. you're, you're not really sorry, you know? And then so then that escalates right. the situation to the point where now you have no choice but to try to compensate the guest because they're now that guest and they've been so inconvenienced. And so like you said, you're, you're educating or training those guests to start expecting that. But then there's that balance between you know, trying to compensate a guest for an inconvenience or a bad experience or whatever, and and then determining who's really trying to take advantage. And I remember when I first started working in movie theaters, um, you know, we were always trained, you know, do whatever it takes to, to delay yes. the guest, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, back then it was like, you never really worried about people trying to take advantage. 
You know, right. you, you just took care of a guest. What one way or another, it's not always right. like it's not always compensation or whatever. I think times have changed a little bit more to where now we have to be a little bit more cynical, I think, and and try to read, okay, is this a real situation or whatever? And it's unfortunate too, because I don't want to be cynical and I don't want to second guess a guest, but right. you have to kind of read between the lines a little bit sometimes, like these two little ladies. Right. Yeah. He, but, you know, and we always said, Cinemark always said, look, we know we're going to have a percentage of people that can get by on us. Um, uh, but we would rather err on that side of taking care of the, the guests, you know, and, and getting scammed by, by a certain percentage than to genuinely send somebody away unhappy and, mm -hmm. and feeling like they didn't get, you know, their money's worth or, or they just weren't satisfied, you know. Yeah. And so I, I would, you know, probably unless it was blatant, you know, I would err on that side and I would give them the passes. I would take care of them, you know, yeah. kind of thing. You know, if it's always the same reason, you know, uh, okay. yeah. always the same thing, always the same thing. At some point, you know, you just have to say, well, I'm sorry, but I don't think we can take, you know, we can please you on this, mm -hmm. especially if you know you're not going to change it, you know, yeah. uh, we, can, we can't please you on this. So maybe you better find another theater, you know, yeah. that should be, that should be very, very rare. I can count yes. on my hand, you know. How many times that, that I probably said that to somebody, yeah. you know? Yeah, same. Yeah, probably on a couple of fingers I can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have a, what was I going to say? Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. It was along that, in that vein of, um, of uh, you know, dealing with those guests that, that are trying to take advantage. Oh, I remember what it was. Um, it, it becomes a little more difficult to see those patterns when you have a large team of managers because not everybody. Yes, you do. You know, that is exactly right. Those things fall through the cracks a little bit sometimes. I remember sitting well, in. Well, they're smart enough to know not to go to the same manager at the same time, too. Yep. I remember sitting in the office out. one day and there was a, a group of managers. It was a busier day, so there were several managers there at the same time. And we were all talking and a, a, a call came across the radio. Hey, there's a guest in the lobby who wants to speak to a manager. So they went out and and handled the situation and they came back and they were talking about that situation. And then like two or three other managers were like, wait a minute, did they look like this? Was this, the, this is the situation? I just talked to that guy like last week, you know? And so then all of a sudden we all realized, oh yeah, that's what's going yeah. on. Yeah, it's yeah we had a guy in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and we got a complaint that uh, was a guy had his cowboy hat and he got a bucket of popcorn and he set his bucket of popcorn down in his cowboy hat in the seat next to him and it leaked through and got butter on his hat. And his hat was signed by George Strait and it was a $300 hat. So the um, theater paid for it. Mm -hmm. He got $300 out of us. Well, fast forward two years later and guess what? Exact same complaint. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, wait a minute. And a different manager though. So I said, wait a minute, hang on just a second. And I called around my other theaters and sure enough, it turned out one of my other theaters in Columbus, the guy hit him for the same thing, <laughs> you know? And then the Regal Theater down the road, guy hit him for the same thing. And I said, no, we're not paying this guy. You know, yeah. it, it ain't gonna happen. The gig's up on this dude, you yeah. know? Yeah. So people will find ways, and there's a billion stories like that out there. But still, keep that in perspective that that is such a tiny percentage. Sure. Yeah. It is such a tiny, insignificant percentage. Um, you know, most people that complain generally are upset about something. Whether we think it's important doesn't really matter, oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. obviously important enough to them for them to complain uh and we owe it to, to to make that experience you know everything that it could be and i keep saying we as if i'm still there yeah, but right. i will always be cinema well it's, i think that's a good point too and that's another thing that i train people on as well is that 
you know, one of the things I'll tell them is, look, the customer isn't always right, but the customer is always right. Like from their perspective, they're right. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what they think. And you have no idea what is going on in their life and in their world and what led up to that situation. Right. All you know is this is a situation in which they were inconvenienced or something didn't go right or whatever. So stop trying to be right, you know? And, right. and it's like the whole, it's the whole thing that, that um, we have a poster for of the, you know, win the customer, not the argument. Yeah. That was a great one. That, that, that was one of arts and yeah. Martha's and that was, that was spot Martha's. on. It was a, that was a, 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 a cultural thing that really, uh, sink in to what the company believed in. And it was a great point that he made. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he's absolutely right. What good does it do for you to win the argument? You know, it's better to win the customer. Absolutely no good. And, and I tell my, I tell my people that too. It's like, look, you, you can solve the problem or I can solve the problem, you know, but one way going to. we're going right. to solve the problem. <laughs> so, right. you know, why don't you do it I now? Before this place? I said the same thing. I was always going to, I said, look, Either you're going to satisfy them or I'm going to satisfy them. So do you want me to be the hero or do you want to be the hero? Exactly. Yep. You know, and whoever's not the, the same thing. is the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, when, it, when it came to, to dealing with the customers and stuff for the, the managers who might be listening, who maybe are, are newer to it and still struggle with that aspects of dealing with the customers, I always, my suggestions were always, hey, if they're mad at somebody, get that person out of their sight. Mm -hmm. You go away, I'll deal with it. So you take what they're aggravated about out of their line of sight so they're not focusing on that. Yeah. And then B, you listen. And what they're trying to do when they're, when they're being, you know, they'll normally tell you their story three or four times. And what they're trying to do is convince you. So the minute you say, you know what, I understand. If I was in your shoes, I feel, would feel the exact same way. Now, all of a sudden, boom, I no longer have to convince you that I'm right. Right. Because Lower you sense. believe what I believe. Yeah. If you say that one line, that will stop them from being, you know, from ranting and ranting and ranting. I get it. I yeah. totally understand. I would feel the exact same way. So let me ask you, how can I make that up to you? you no. Know, and most of the time they're going to say, oh, I want a new, you know, I want some passes, you know, and say, you know what, I'm going to do that. But let me tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to throw in a large popcorn in the drink, you know, uh, and then you go above that by a step, you know, and blow them away. Give them more than what they expected. And let me tell you, uh, you can turn a complaint into a positive really quick. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, as a regional leader, would get Christmas cards from customers who years ago I had fixed a complaint for, <laughs> you know, it was crazy. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you look for that hero moment, just be the hero. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've had those situations too, where a situation was just completely falling apart and then, and I mean, like a total meltdown, like one, in one, one that jumps out at me specifically was I was working in Greeley a long time ago and this lady, it was a weekday and this lady was, she was really, really upset. I can't even remember what the issue was, but so upset and I could not seem to rectify the situation. She ends up going into her movie and I mean, just the situation just did not go well. After her movie got out, I made a point of being at the door as the movie was letting out. And when she came out, I said, look, I just, I really want to apologize to you. I, I just did a horrible job of taking care of your situation. And I'm just so sorry. And this woman was like, no, I'm so sorry too. She's like, you did fine. I was just being unreasonable. She gave me a hug, you know, <laughs> like, you're amazing. And it was like, and those are those situations that, 
sort of make you feel even better than if everything would just go smooth all the time when you have that yeah. that moment where you kind of turn things around. And Absolutely. Yeah, it just goes a long way, I think. Yeah, I you know, I always tell everybody, you know, my managers and stuff, always be looking for that hero moment. Mm -hmm. And that hero moment could be as simple as opening a door for somebody. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to watch people's eyes light up when you open a door for somebody and, you know, hey, let me help you with that, you know, or what seat are you in, you know, and you just help them along the way. Little things like that go such a long way, you know, and, and, and those are, you know, that's a hero moment. It's a small one, but it's a hero yeah. moment. And, and like you said, sometimes, you know, that can be, more rewarding than when, when things just don't, don't go right is being able to take care of something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, it makes the job really more rewarding. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. Well, it gives you that sense of satisfaction, I think, too, to, to know that you had that ability to turn things around. But to right. also touch on uh, what you said a minute ago, where it's like, whatever they're, ag whoever they're aggravated with, get them out of the picture. Right. Um, and earlier, you also said, you know, show me someone who, who has never made a mistake and I'll show you somebody that doesn't do anything. Well, as a GM, I've made plenty of mistakes and those are sometimes associated with dealing with a customer concern or a guest concern. And yeah. I've been that guy who wasn't maybe handling a situation best. So I've removed myself from the situation. I've actually asked an assistant, Hey, it's not going well for me. I'm for whatever reason, I can't <laughs> establish a rapport with this guest. So that assistant will step in instead and get me out of the picture and they're able to de-escalate because sometimes guests just, for whatever reason, you can't jive with, with that right. person. Or yeah. So. yeah. If they fixate on you and they, 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 you know, see you as the problem, then, then you, that's, that's the issue. You got to get somebody else to deal yeah, with. Yeah. And it's just sometimes a perspective change, you know, and I've done it for assistant managers and so, I mean, it's, Works for everything, I think. So sure, yeah, no, absolutely. Change the dynamic. So, have you have you ever had, um, you know, a situation whether it's as a as a manager or even an RVP or whatever, but probably more likely as a manager where a guest, a Karen, is in front of you and just going off on you, and then you have to. How do you make that decision where enough is enough as far as the abuse is concerned, and where do you draw the line on? saying, look, I'm trying to help you or, okay, we're done. Have you ever had yeah. to face that? Yeah. Yeah. Many times actually. Okay. Um, and one comes to mind. Um, I uh, got a complaint that the baby was crying in an auditorium and I went in and I asked the lady with the baby who was screaming at the time, you know, could you please bring the baby out into the lobby until, you know, it stops crying. Well, the minute we stepped into lobby, she spun around and just tore into me with, you know, profanities and just tearing me up. I paid my dollar. I get to be in the, I get to watch the movie like everybody else, you know, you know, why are you removing me from there and everything, you know, and I was explaining to her, you know, well, everybody else paid their money too. and They didn't pay to listen to a baby cry, you know, and I did everything that I could, but there was no, no calming this woman down. She was just building up a head of steam to the point to where she said, you need to call the police. And I said, well, ma'am, I guess I'll call the police. And she got there and she wanted like me arrested or something for removing her from the movie theater. And when the cops sided with me, she wanted his badge number and, and, and everything. Uh, you know, you, you do it to a point to where you can't reason with them. And if they're being abusive or any point become to the, where the, they may become physical, you know, that's, those are easy, quick lines to say, okay, enough's enough. 
You know, yeah. when you want to talk to me on a professional basis, I would be more than willing to, to try to help you, you know, and, to, and try to, to, to make this right by you. But until then, you know, we're done. Yeah. It's just that simple. And so, you know, yeah, I, I, I would put up with some cuss words, you know, because they're mad. I get it, you know. Yeah. And in some, some places, New Jersey comes to mind, where <laughs> the first day I walked in there, I walked into the hallway, and the guy's coming down the hallway, and he's screaming, turn up the mother effing volume, and he's screaming at me. You know, I'm like, uh, maybe we want to turn up the volume. And I said, what? what's that guy's problem? The manager goes, no, no, no. That's just how they are here. Yeah. To them, that's not even angry. That's how they talk. That's just yeah. normal, you know. So I put up with, with quite a bit uh, if I thought they'd get physical or when they stopped listening and, you know, it was, it was pointless to try to say anything and there was no, you know, consoling them. At some point, you, you have to say enough's enough. And how long are you going to let that go on in your lobby and letting other customers see that? They're ruining their experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and surely if they're doing that toward uh, an employee, I draw the line even faster. I don't let them cuss at my employees. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going to step in and I'm going to tell them, look, you're not going to abuse my employees. Simple as that. You want to talk to me in a calm manner? I will take care of you. You and I can deal with that, but you're not going to cuss at my employees. It's not going to happen. Right. You know, if you're going to do that, there's the door. Yeah. And it's that simple. And a lot of times that'll put them in their tracks and they'll stop. But you owe it to your employees to protect them from that. Yeah. You know, you can't let that, you can't let that go on. Um, but as a manager, I took that, I, I would take that on myself, you know, because I, I, I get it. They're mad. Let them, you know, let them vent, let them, you know, rail off for a little while to a point, yeah. you know. As well, and saying. I always draw that there was, the, I always um, recognize the distinction between swearing and swearing at you. You know, right. there's a difference yeah. between this is bullshit and your bullshit. You know what I mean? Or Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. when I, you know, typically what would come out of my mouth is similar to what you would say. It's like, look, I'm happy to help you, but we just need to, we need to calm this situation down and speak professionally about it or we can't keep going, right. you know? Right. Um, and I did find that one of the more challenging things as a, as a manager is training younger people on how to handle those kinds of situations sometimes of like, you're not looking at, don't escalate the situation by saying, calm right. down, you know, it's just right. that, there's that, uh, yes nuance that you have to find and that can be really right. good when you're only 16 years old like you don't know anything really i mean i didn't know well, anything yeah. so let me tell you this is this is that's a great point and that's going to become more and more and more of a challenge as this younger generation is growing up with really um stunted social skills because they communicate online on the computer they're safe behind their computer screens yeah. they can have anonymity they can say what they want to say you know, uh, it's uh, social skills are declining at a rapid pace because of it. Mm -hmm. And as those people grow up and become your assistant managers and you're trying to teach them, um, it's going to become more and more of a challenge uh, on, on getting people uh, on board on how to handle that. You know, it's it's very much more difficult because even people that are complaining are going to have those same kind of, well, you know, when I'm on my computer, this is what I would say. And now they're going to say that in your face, you know, in, in real life. And that's, that's going to be changing. And I, I can only think that it's, that it's going to uh, get a little worse than it is going to get better. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen that happen over the, you know, over the years. I mean, I've seen a lot of, as you probably have as well, I've seen a lot of change over the years. I mean, as oh. I've gotten older and I mean, I, it's hard for me to determine if I'm at that age where I'm, I'm just seeing change or if I'm like that guy who's like these kids today, but yes, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, so how do you find that distinction? But right. I have started to see that. And then, and in addition, um, 
a lot more people are struggling with the anxiety of dealing with people who are completely unreasonable and screaming and yelling at oh, them. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. It's stressful. I mean, even one of them sometimes where it's like, sure, it's stressful. Nobody enjoys that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because if, if they're going to be unpredictable and, and they're, they're not going to listen to reason and stuff, then, then how can you, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, it, it's very, very difficult and it's very stressful. You know, I always just cringed every time I get that phone call. You know, oh, you know, the patron wants to talk to you. They're like, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. You know, they got past the manager. This is going to be, this is going to be a big one, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And I, I never look forward to it. But, you know, 999,000 times out of, you know, whatever, yeah. you're going to satisfy in the end. You just got to listen to the abuse along the way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. I, I, th I do think that's true. And I, how do you, how do you, um, train your managers on, um, or, or I guess, I guess the question I was going to ask is, have you ever had, uh, the, the complaint come to you when you're either in a, in a regional role or a VP role or whatever, I don't know how many you dealt with as a VP where the complaint evolves from what the situation was about to, well, everybody was just rude and that becomes the complaint. And then oh. it, sort of getting to the bottom of that reality, like is yeah. what part of that is real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I'll be honest with you. There was always a, a tip of the hand using a, a card uh, expression, playing card expression. When the customer would say, oh, all your employees were rude and your bathroom was dirty. <laughs> and the, the podium guy sent me to the wrong auditorium. What that tells me immediately is I know my complaint is a crappy complaint and I'm not going to get any passes with it. So I better make it better. I'm fluff it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so that was always a tip of the hand when they would launch into that. All your employees are rude. No, they're not. Right. You know, uh, whatever you're perceiving, this isn't the case. You know, uh, I never said that. Obviously I would take care of them, you know, and, and 99 times out of hundred, you'd never hear from them again. You know, that, that's fine. So that'd be one of those cases where you err on the side of knowing this isn't the case, but I'm, you know, this person had a bad day. They probably had a bad experience and we're looking for things that were wrong. Yeah. Uh, so let's just make it up to them anyways, you know, yeah. Yeah. even though I know my employees weren't rude. Did I call the manager? I didn't even tell the manager about that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why waste their time and effort on that? This, I, I, I wouldn't even let them know about it. And if I was the manager, I would do the same thing. I wouldn't even tell my employees about it. You know, I would just deal with it and be done with it, you know, because I know all my employees aren't rude. Sure. You know? Yeah, of course. I, th yeah. I, I found that that seems, and I think it's a regional thing sometimes. Cause like you said, you know, if you're on the East coast, sometimes they're just accustomed to certain things, oh, yeah. um, but it kind of depends on where you are. But uh, the last theater I was at, it was a reserve seating recliner location, not very many seats, only 800 seats in the building. We used to have a lot of issues, especially right after we opened, where people bought tickets for the wrong um, yeah. time, the wrong theater, whatever it was. And, uh, and, you know, we have certain policies in place and things like that. And we're an extremely, relatively speaking, an extremely busy location for the amount of seats there are. It was very, it was very tough to tell people, well, I can't, uh, you know, I'm unable to refund that ticket or exchange that ticket. It's already sold out. You know, and then right. they're, they're just freaking out on you. It's like, well, why can't you do this? But it's not always limited to that. It could be an alcohol policy or a bag policy or whatever <laughs> policy it is. And when you try to explain that policy, that just sets them off even further sometimes. And, you know, I was always yeah. trained of, 
find out what you can do for somebody, not what you can't do. And so I'd always try to find solutions. But, you know, sometimes that can be challenging to try to find the right solution, especially if it's just not the solution that they're looking for. And so then right. it escalates beyond that. So it goes to my RL or RBP. And then, right. and then it becomes, well, the GM was rude because he told me I can't do that. And yeah. You know, <laughs> but those are, those are easy enough, you know, as, as an RL, you, you listen to that. And anytime somebody says no, you're automatically rude. Yes. That's, yeah. that's across yeah. the board. You say no, you're rude, you know. But when it came to being, you know, enforcing policies that we have in place, <clears throat> some of them, especially dealing with alcohol, you know, where there's legal ramifications and stuff, uh, where there is no leeway. Uh, of, of saying yes, you know, letting a, a underage kids into an R-rated movie, you know, no, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. And you just got to back that, you know, and yeah. you just got to know that your boss has your back and they're going to back that. And, and they can take it up as high as they want. And the answer is going to be the same. Mm. And they're going to either have to make the decision. Well, okay. If I go to this theater, I know that my, you know, six-year-old can't go to an R-rated movie by himself. They're just going to have to know that, you know, and then make the decision. Do I do that or do I let him go to the other theater where they don't care and they just take his money. Yeah. But you make those decisions, you know, when you make policy, you got to yeah. understand that, you know, yeah. and then you got to count on everybody uh, towing that rope and, and, and backing everybody. Because if the manager says your six year old can't go into that R rated movie and the regional leader turns around and says, yeah, I'll send you passes, you know, I'll, you know, whatever, which would never happen by the way. Right. Uh, it undermines the whole process. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be, Horrific, because yeah. if you ever do that, and or if you ever as a manager do that to an assistant manager who's doing the right thing. Now, it, it's different if you make it up to a customer when the assistant manager blows it. But if that assistant manager says, no, I'm sorry, your six-year-old can't go into that R-rated movie, and then you come in behind him and say, well, this just one time I'm going to make an allowance. That assistant manager sees that. How many times do you think that assistant manager is ever going to stop another exactly. six-year-old from going into an R-rated movie? Exactly. You know, so you got to, that's got to be backed by everybody all the way up the line. Yeah. And I mean, regional leader to the CEO, everybody's got it. If you put that rule in place, you better be willing to back it up. You know, yeah. uh, there's times when there's certain rules that, that, yeah, you know, you bend a little bit to make the customer happy maybe, but um, there, there are certain ones that are in place that, that you just can't, you got to know that. Yeah, I was talking to somebody recently. Uh, oh, it was last week on a on a different episode. Um, this guy is with um, AMC, and he he uh, he made a good comment of like we live in the gray area, you know, sometimes in this business where you really yeah. have to be able to identify the nuance in the situation, and you know, do I do I have some wiggle room here, you know, right. to make an exception, barring you know breaking the law or or completely correct people or, or anything like that. I had a friend who, he's a good friend too, and he was a GM for a long, long time. And he, he had a very difficult time assessing or identifying those, that nuance. He was very yes. by the book and it was like, Correct. well, this, yeah. is, this is what it says. So I have to stick right. exactly to this. And it's like, yeah, bro, you've got to be able to be flexible sometimes. You know? Correct. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain ones that you know, that you cannot bend. And then yeah. there's certain ones, you know, hey, they, you know, they missed the first part of the movie because they want to stay over. Well, that's, you know, let me check to see if that seat's sold for one thing, you know, because yeah. now it's our seating. But, you know, if it's not sold, okay. What difference is you know, Bend that, you know. Yeah. And, and when you do bend that, that rule a little bit and you're telling somebody, well, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that anyways. 
all of a sudden I'm special because yeah. you just bent a rule for me, you know, and, and man, you're a hero. That's a, that's a hero moment kind of thing. But you, you're right. Um, you got to know the difference. And, and sometimes that's difficult, you know, mm -hmm. and um, that's all part of experience, though. Yeah. And that's all part of putting in your years and dealing with it on a you know case by case basis. Yeah. And like you said, sometimes you make the mistake, and, and then you you learn from that ramification. But you're better next time around because of sure. It, you know, my so, biggest uh, yeah. Go ahead. My biggest customer compliment, or my first customer compliment, actually, when I was as a GM it was back in 1998, and this was a theater uh, in Overland Park, Kansas, where I got my start, and. I remember that theater didn't open until four o'clock in the afternoon every day on the weekdays. And I remember I was there early. It was like two o'clock, something like that. I'm walking through the lobby and there's these two little old ladies knocking on the door. And so I walk over there, open the door, you know, and I know some people who would have just kept walking. Um, oh so yeah. I open the door. Oh, like, oh yeah. Yeah. You don't want to deal with them if you're not. Right, right. But they're like, you know, I was like, how can I help you? Oh, we, we thought you had a movie starting at two o'clock. And I'm like, no, unfortunately, we don't open until four. First movie's not till four. Oh, well, we both came all this way. She's from there and I'm from over there. We were, this is our time to meet. And we're going to see a movie. We're so excited. And I just was like, you know what? Come on in. I'll just run the movie for you. You know, I didn't charge them anything. And then they went yeah. down in the movie. I thread the movie, started. And then I went and made popcorn for them and got them a couple drinks. Took that. I didn't have to. I mean, look, all that was free to them. You know, right. But that was my very first customer compliment. And it was such a big deal to me because Jeff at the time, you know, uh, made a copy of that and sent and, and sent that out to every single theater. Oh, yeah. and I was like, yeah, oh, man. it's like the coolest thing in the world to be. Oh, yeah. I did that a couple of times when I was running Round Rock. <laughs> it was the same thing. We didn't open until four. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally you get people from Austin who are used to the theaters opening all day kind of thing would show up. You know, if I was there and there was nobody else there, you know. Yeah, you know, depending on the people, you know, I mean, if they're a little bit on, you know, if they're gruff and scary looking, you know, um, sure. maybe not because then they're going to rob you, you know, <laughs> you got to be real careful with that. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of liability there, but, you know, like, you know, some family shows up, you know, or, or, or you know, young couple shows up or whatever, you know, I did that two or three times in Rap Rock too, same thing, you know, just like I can run the movie, yep. you know. So, there anyway. Uh, Sorry about the squeaking in the background. Or dog's <laughs> I see your dog walking back there. <laughs> you know, the uh, other they, thing that, um, that is sort of younger and younger in, in tenure, not age, uh, folks seem to do is they're, uh, and sometimes it is age, they, they want to be the enforcement police. You know? Oh, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. sometimes it'll be after the fact where, you know, we have the no outside food policy, right? And right. Like, somebody will realize that somebody got passed with, whatever you know a drink or sub sandwich or something like that so then they, they they're chasing them down and they're interrupting them in the middle of their movie and they're oh, yeah. disrupting other people and it's like you didn't stop you got to stop doing that like it's our right. job to catch yeah. it at the beginning if we don't catch it yes. that's our loss we screwed up yeah we need to do a better that's job. that's a, a great example of the gray area rule right yes. there yeah. You know, uh, no outside food and drinks. And basically you want to, you're keeping the honest people honest. People who are going to sneak it in are going to sneak it in. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Would I go in there and drag them out? No. The benefit of them not getting to drink that Coke they snuck in doesn't outweigh the disruption of everybody else's experience. Yeah. You know, so no, I don't go in there and I don't ask them to drag it, you know, take it out. If it's alcohol, it's another story. You know, sure. if, I, if I'm not selling beer and they bring alcohol into the auditorium, Yes, I do. And then I always offer to call them a cab. Yeah. 
regardless of how many people too. I mean, you're breaking yeah. law when you're yeah. doing that as well. Exactly yeah. that. And, and you don't let them continue to drink in there, obviously. You, know, you don't have a license for that. So right. that's the one thing that I would be pretty strict on. Again, that's a law kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then always offer to, to call them a cab because if they get in their car and they get in a wreck and they die, their mom or dad's going to sue you because you knew they were drinking and you let them drive. Yeah. You know, so it's a liability kind of thing. So, you know, the, the, there's rules that are, that are chiseled in the stone. And, mm-hmm. uh, Unfortunately, well, fortunately, the vast majority of them aren't, you know, they're more in the rubber and you can bend them a little bit kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, But you just have to weigh the pros and cons. And and if you're always have that mantra of I want to make everybody's experience the best possible, you know, and obviously I'm not going to make that six-year-old's experience possible, you know, to go into an already movie. (laughs) But you're, you're, what you're, you're also doing there is you're making sure that the people in that auditorium are uncomfortable sitting next to a six-year-old who's watching a sex scene in an R-rated movie. Yeah. You know, because I've gotten complaints from that from, from parents that took their kids into the R-rated movie, you know, yeah. and they were in there with them. And other customers would complain because they're uncomfortable that there's a child sitting there. Sure. You know? yeah. Worst, my story, the worst case scenario of that is I had a guy take his two five-year-old twin daughters into natural born killers. And okay. that to me was one of the heaviest R movies ever. It was, it was disgusting. And I went in there and both little girls were sitting with their fingers over their eyes and just, you know, they were whimpering as if they had been crying. And it was just like, this guy's the biggest a-hole on the planet. Yeah. Why, you know, he's so, so uh, all about me to the point to where he's going to sacrifice the happiness of his little girls so that he can watch this movie. It was ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to get off on tangents or anything. It's just that some rules are written in stone and others in rubber, and, and most of them, you know, you've got a great area to work within as a manager. I think the cell phone policy is a really good example of, of enforcing even at, while it's going on because that is such a disturbance Correct. You know, to Correct. other people. But those are, right. that's also the policy that when you do enforce it, it's for whatever reason nowadays people can't seem to get on board with that policy. And it's like, well, I'm just checking my phone for a second. It's like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You can't right. just you step outside. It reminds right. me of that uh, the Alamo Draft House trailer. Oh, up that one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That always cracked me up. And for the anybody who doesn't know, just Google Alamo Draft House cell phone policy, and you know, you'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I had a, 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 com, a concern not too long ago. A contact us where uh, my theater checker did his job and walked out. This lady had her phone out for a while, a good, you know, 10 seconds, which if you count out 10 right. seconds while you're in the middle of a movie, that's a long, yeah, yeah. and he said it, something yeah, to her. It's a distraction. Yeah, he said something to her. And so the, the, the concern came through, but not from the woman who had the phone out. It was from her friend and, she, and her, her comment was, how dare you interrupt us and treat us like children to which, and, and that's just so rude to which it's like, well, and my response was pretty matter of fact. This was not a situation where I was going to offer passes because it's like, you know, no. if you broke the policy, you're disturbing other people. You know, it's like, this is what our policy is. So you can either follow yeah. the policy and I'm paraphrasing. You can either follow the policy or not, not come back. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing, all the thing about watching a movie is, is, is you've got to, in order for that experience to be what it's meant to be, you got to immerse yourself in it. You got to suspend belief and you got to, you know, be in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. and anything like the flashing of a cell phone, even if it's for a second, mm-hmm. draws you out of that. And it breaks that, that, that illusion 
Yeah. And, and I always use that as a way to explain it, you know, and, and so even, even so much as just that flash of that, you know, uh, can do that and it's disruptive to, to everybody, you know, but that's a everybody problem. I'm telling you, it's not just kids. I yeah. went into a movie that had nothing but senior citizens in it and was shocked to see how many senior citizens were on their phone during this movie. It's crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, but how dare you say something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I, I always did. I didn't phase me a bit. I always did. Even when I was in a, you know, the VP role, if I was visiting the theater, somebody was on a phone, you know, please, can you shut that off? It's, yeah. it's disruptive environment you know yeah. but so. it's always that look of shock that you see on their face oh my gosh i can't believe you said something to me oh yeah it's like the number one complaint it, it does blow my mind a little bit about how um caught off guard people seem to be when it comes to certain policies like the rated r policy is an example i can't oh, tell yeah. you how many parents i still come across that are like well i i just have never and it's like how do you not know about the rated r policy oh yeah it's been around yeah for as long as I've been in theaters, which is like 30 years, so. Oh yeah, it's been around since the late 60s, you know, yeah. 68, 68. But you know, the one I always got was, well, they see worse at home, mm. or the second one was, oh, they've, they've gotten in here before, you right. know, and yeah, watch, that's a common. why can't they go now? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, they get it at AMC down the street, you know, those were the three big ones that I would hear, you know. Yeah. But, you know, hey, not gonna happen today, you get, you know. That's right. That's right. Oh. Well, hey, we're, uh, we're coming up on an hour. Um, before we wrap this up, though, there's probably, as you are a Cinemark legend, there are probably a lot of other GMs or even assistant managers possibly listening to this. Is there any, I'm going to put you on the spot. Any, any words of wisdom or anything that you want to share before we, before we end this? You know, just the last thing that, that I would say uh, is just to never lose sight of what you're doing, why you're there, you know, and, and all the times that get heavy, all the times that, that, you know, things don't go right or the customer's complaints, you know, don't let that ruin your day or your experience. And, and as a manager, you know, let me tell you, I was there for 38 years. And even toward the end, I was going to the Grapevine Theater to watch a movie. And the guy in front of me was there with his son, who was probably five, four, five, six years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And the little boy was so excited about going to his movie. He was holding on to his peepee and he was dancing. He was doing this dance. You know, he was so excited. You know, I got to see the movie. I got to see the movie. And I looked at myself and I said, that's why I do what I do right there. You know, you are in an environment unlike anywhere else. You know, nobody's excited about going to the store, you know, like that. Nobody's excited about going to, you know, the grocery store or wherever else. You know, outside of maybe a concert or something, they're coming there. They're excited to be where you're at. So, you know, just focus on that, you know, uh, and that uh, just don't lose sight of, of why you do what you do. You know, you're, you're really blessed to be in an industry of entertaining people, of bringing uh, great joy to people. And you're a huge part of that and you're very important about that. So that would be the last thing that I would end on. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on the, on the show. It was sort of a, I did that on a whim contacting you. I was like, I was talking to my wife and she, you know, as I said, speaks very, very highly of you. And uh, I was like, I wonder if I should reach out to Charlie Street because he'd be amazing to have on the show. And so it just, it means so much to me that, that you were willing to do this. And, and if you're ever 
if you're ever interested in coming back on again, I, I just want you to know there's an open invitation for you. So I appreciate that greatly. I really do. Um, uh, I just want everybody to know that, uh, that I dearly miss my relationships with my managers and assistant managers, the staff, uh, my peers in the home office. I, I miss everybody greatly. Uh, I, I've got nothing but positive thoughts. Um, I, I miss the opportunity to help people be successful. Uh, um, and, uh, it was just, a, that's the biggest blessing in my life. I don't, I don't think about paychecks in the past or anything. I think about the, the, the people that I work with and the lives that, that hopefully I touched along the way and maybe I made a difference in somebody's life. That's the most important thing to me. You know, and hopefully I did that. I you know? you. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I can, you asked me to be on the show and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. I didn't prepare anything. I know I could riff on this for, you know, a week solid probably and bore everybody into a coma. But, uh, yeah, anytime you want to discuss anything or whatever, you know, uh, I'm retired, so I'm, I'm here. You know, my thumbs are ripped from all the twiddling they've been doing here lately. <laughs> Just let me know, you know. I will. Um, we'll, so we'll talk to you later, and hopefully we'll see each other down the road somewhere. Yeah, I hope so, and I appreciate it. All, all right. right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Charlie. All right. Take care, brother. You too. That's the podcast, folks. If you're a fan of Karen Isn't Always Right, you can show your support in two ways. First, please share with your friends and get them listening. Also, please feel free to donate by going to anchor.fm forward slash chris-fry, that's F-R-E-Y, forward slash support. Please visit kairpodcast.com, K-I-A-R podcast.com, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. New episodes are posted weekly on kairpodcast.com, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much wherever you can listen to a podcast. The views and opinions on this podcast are solely that of the guest and the host and are not representative of any organizations or individuals. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.